The families that we grew up in are the templates for our understanding of emotions and relationships. They're the maps for our friendships, our romantic relationships, how we deal with conflict, how we cope with our emotions. Our families taught us how to set boundaries with other people and regulate our emotions without us even being aware of it. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. Today is a solo episode, my friends. I never do this because I really enjoy doing my interviews, but I'm going to start doing this more often. Occasionally, I'm going to throw in some nuggets of knowledge to boost your mental health because that's what I love doing. So today, I'm going to be talking a little bit about how our family system can influence the lives we live and the types of relationships that we accept for ourselves. When I talk about it, I'm probably going to talk mostly about romantic relationships, but I want you to understand that our friendships are extremely important and who we pick to be our friends can be really reflective of what our family relationships were like. Sometimes we play out that patterns in our friendships, not just romantic relationships. Also, when I refer to our family system, I'm talking about the people who raised you, um, whoever they are, they may not be biological, whoever you consider your mother, your father, if you had an aunt or uncle raise you, if your grandparents raised you, if you had a sibling raise you, whoever was with you while you were growing up modeled a lot to you. And those are the people I'm talking about when I refer to family system. So I'm going to start this conversation by telling you about me and my husband's dysfunctional toaster, <laughs> which is so silly to have a podcast episode about a toaster, but it came to me when this happened and I couldn't help but think about the conversations I have in session with my clients about our family systems, our family of origin, how they influence things. So I thought this would be a helpful analogy to do a little teaching on the topic. So my husband and I got engaged about eight and a half years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. I still feel like I'm a 19 year old person. Um, anyway, we put a toaster on our registry for our wedding. I received this toaster as a gift at my bridal shower. I have no idea who gave it to us. So if you did and you are listening, please text me. I would love to know. Anyway, this was a good looking toaster, guys. It was stainless steel and it allowed you to toast four slices of bread or bagel or English muffin at the same time. Double whammy. (laughs) That means we did not have to wait for one person to be done with toasting their bread before making their morning egg sandwich. Those babies were popping out at the same time. Highly efficient toaster. About one month into owning this toaster, it broke. We didn't have it that long. It would only toast two slices of bread at the same time. No longer four. It was so disappointing. We were so excited about it. Nonetheless, we kept it because we got our toast. But it wasn't doing the job we really wanted it to do. It did a half-assed job. It became only slightly dysfunctional. We have moved two times since owning this toaster. But we have brought this dysfunctional toaster to the two new places we have lived in. Now, if you have ever moved, you know this is a great opportunity to get rid of things you don't want, don't need, don't work. 
You purge, purge, purge. And believe me when I say this, I am someone that throws out everything. If I don't use it or wear it, it is gone. I have no problem throwing my stuff out. It feels so good. But for some odd reason, we never chucked this toaster that was slightly dysfunctional. Knowing it only did a half-assed job, we willingly packed it up into a box and unpacked it two times. Not once, but two moves. So one day, while we were in quarantine during the March 2020 shutdown, we were cooking all day every day. I said to my husband, why do we still have this toaster when it really doesn't even work anymore? And you know, it's a toaster. It's not something that's really expensive that you kind of want to hold on to and save up for. It's a toaster um, and it's easy to replace. And now that we have kids, we need four slices of bread popping out at the same time, not two. We need efficiency. So that day I went on Amazon and in two seconds I ordered a new toaster, which arrived a few days later, conveniently at my doorstep. I didn't even have to go out of my way for this thing. We laughed about how silly it was that we held on to a dysfunctional toaster for about eight and a half years. We consciously packed that bad boy up and brought it with us everywhere we went. Now, why? Why did we do this? Well, because we were used to it. We were just used to it and all of its dysfunction. It was easy, it was comfortable, and we didn't know any better. So you might be curious about what my toaster has to do with family dynamics. Well, I'm going to tell you. The unhealthy baggage that you have been carrying around from your childhood is your dysfunctional toaster. Like so many of our families, things are comfortable but dysfunctional. (laughs) Full-blown dysfunction, slight dysfunction, there's always some kind of dysfunction thrown in our family. So let me explain this a little further. The families that we grew up in are the templates for our understanding of emotions and relationships. They're the maps for our friendships, our romantic relationships, how we deal with conflict, how we cope with our emotions. Our families taught us how to set boundaries with other people and regulate our emotions without us even being aware of it. We were just little sponges absorbing everything modeled to us, and we didn't know. It was just a subconscious process. Same for our parents, right? Like They were just interacting. They didn't really know the messages that they were sending to us at the time. What was modeled to us by our own parents in their relationship? the culture and community we grew up in, the gender roles we witnessed, and our own role in our family system all plays a part in who we are today and the choices that we make. And guess what? Your parents learned all this from their parents, and your grandparents learned all this from their parents, and so on and so forth. Dysfunction can be passed down from generation to generation, but so can strength and resilience. And I want to point this out. Not everything that we learn from our family of origin is bad. There is so much good taught to us and modeled in our families. That's its own episode. But for the purpose of this toaster analogy, I'm just focusing on the unhealthy parts. Unfortunately, our life experiences that create our core beliefs may cause us to feel unworthy of love, and therefore we play it out in our relationships. We start to accept patterns that prove we are unworthy. We settle for good enough or think that we're incapable of having anything better for ourselves romantically, or with a job, or with a friendship. We settled for the good enough toaster until we realized we could have better. We just had to be consciously aware of it and make an intentional choice for ourselves. Believe it or not, we often play out relationship patterns from our childhood, even if they were hurtful or damaging. 
just because they are familiar to us. Familiarity is comfortable, even if it is dysfunctional. I know this sounds crazy and contradictory, but our inner psyche can really get us into trouble if we don't learn how to pay attention to it. For example, you may end up married to the angry alcoholic because you grew up with one. You know exactly how to tolerate this kind of man and the kind of behavior that comes with it. It's predictable for you. Dysfunctional, but predictable. And predictability is safe for us. We like predictability. We thrive when things are predictable. The man who's in control of his emotions and doesn't have these angry outbursts or irritable mood swings all the time, well, that's scary for you. You don't know how to relate to that. Even if it's a healthy thing for you, you don't know how to handle that. I know this sounds crazy and counterintuitive, but our minds are wild, guys. Our subconscious can play some tricks on us if we don't pay close attention to it. A lot of our behavior comes from our subconscious motives. Our subconscious is shaped from our life experiences. Let's use an example. Let's say calmness and stability is uncomfortable for you because you didn't grow up in that type of environment. You grew up in a little chaos. You don't walk around knowing that on a conscious level unless you've gone through some type of therapy or coaching or learned about yourself and did work on yourself. So because of growing up in an environment that was chaotic for you, you recreate a little bit of chaos in your life by ditching the nice and emotionally stable guys for a partner that's more exciting. He's exciting, but in all the wrong ways. His behavior is irrational and erratic. He loves you hard, but fights you hard. You find yourself walking on eggshells all the time. But he has so many redeeming qualities that you say, screw it, this is normal for me. I'm used to this. I can handle this. You are drawn to the chaos that exists in this relationship because it's what you were raised in. You can't handle the calm. And when you've dated calm, you've picked fights for no reason to get a little action and excitement going for you. You've been bored with the nice guy. Now, just because you can handle the chaos doesn't mean it's good for you or smart for you or an intentional choice for a partner. This is where the hard work comes in, and you have to work on yourself so you can choose a partner more wisely. This is when you go to therapy. You take a good look at your unhealthy patterns in your relationships, understand why you were choosing that same type of guy over and over again and getting hurt, and you begin to correct these old choices and patterns. In therapy, you can take that leap into making some changes for yourself, which can be really scary. Nobody likes change. It's so uncomfortable. When you're about to make a change in your life, you keep yourself where you used to be for a long time until you can't take it anymore. And then you're ready to be a different person. But you kind of stay in this phase of, I can tolerate this. This will work. It will work. But another part of you knows that the change is necessary and you'll be happier with this change. It's, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. But it's life-changing once you make some kind of leap to go in a different direction. So by identifying the dysfunctional patterns that may have been modeled to you in your youth can help you then break the cycle of dysfunction that has been passed down from generation to generation in your family system. This is why I love working with 20-somethings and college kids. There's this precious moment in time when a young adult starts to realize that there may have been some level of dysfunction going on in their family. It has led them to feel some level of dissatisfaction or engage in some kind of unhealthy pattern that they're no longer wanting for themselves. All of a sudden, things start to make sense, 
and they start to see their parents as people with flaws. You know, when you're growing up, you see your parents as your parents and you don't realize that they're imperfect and they make mistakes and they could have done things or said things that weren't always helpful for you. And it takes a while to reach this point. So most of the time, the dysfunction in your family system was really unintentional, right? I don't want you to think that everyone's out there just trying to get each other. A lot of dysfunction is unintentional and your parents were trying to really help or protect you in some way, but then it backfired and hurt you instead. I'm kind of thinking, um, let's say you've always complained about your weight and you feel really insecure and you bring this up a lot to your mom and then your mom starts commenting on what you're eating because she thinks she's being helpful. She's like, oh, you know, that might not be the best choice if you're trying to lose weight. Maybe this is another option for you. And then she signs you up for the gym. And then she really gets in trying to help you. But it's actually hurting you because it's making you feel more insecure. And that's not the type of support you wanted from your mom. You wanted something else. So then you can fall into this cycle of feeling judged by your mom. Your self-esteem is hurt. You have started to develop unhealthy eating patterns. And it can just spiral out of control. So your mom was trying to help you out. She thought she was doing the right thing, but it was actually hurting you. And that's where communication and family has to come in. You have to be able to say, like, I kind of want to see where you're coming from. I know you're not, maybe you're not meaning to hurt me, but what you're doing is hurting me. And maybe there's a different way we can go about this. Okay, so through this type of discovery and insight of your own family's dysfunction, you have the potential to create a better friendship in your life, a better marriage with your partner, even better relationships with your own kids. We bring all types of baggage into our marriages and friendships and parenting styles without consciously being aware of it. If you were the quote unquote good girl or people pleaser amongst your siblings in order to keep some kind of peace at home, you may notice that you often sacrifice your own needs to meet the needs of your partner in your present life or meet the needs of your roommates or your friends or your coworkers. You're used to this role. And this role is people pleaser, overachiever, good girl. It served you in childhood. It was like a survival skill, you know, to keep everything calm around you because families work as systems, right? You're all connected. So you had a function, you had a role in your system. But this role as the people pleaser, the good girl will no longer serve you as an adult. It leaves you feeling worn out and resentful, and you need to go through this process of learning how to set healthier boundaries in your relationships in order for your own needs to be met. You have to learn how to say no and say no without guilt and know that you will still be loved if you say no and have boundaries. And a sustainable partnership or marriage or friendship is a partnership with healthy boundaries. So should we blame our parents for the conflicts that we have in our relationships? The answer is no. It is really easy to blame other people for our problems, but that leaves us with less accountability and more resistance to change ourselves for the better. When you're pointing the finger and tell someone else they're responsible for your issues, you're stuck. You're going to stay there forever. They might have contributed to some of your issues, but you need to take accountability and ownership. That's the only way you move the needle. That's the only way you change yourselves. So you need empathy when you think about this dysfunction in your family. Try to really imagine what your mom or dad's life was like growing up, you know, for them, how their childhood informed who they are today and who they became as parents. Your parents have their own families of origin that have left imprints on who they are 
and how they approach their marriages and parenting choices. A lot of times I'll tell my clients, you know, go home and ask your parents about what it was like growing up with their parents and what was dysfunctional about it. What do they wish was different? Was it easy? Was it hard? I'll say go back and learn about what was great about growing up in that family system. What kind of strength? What kind of morals? What kind of values? What was good in that family that they carried with them? It's a nice conversation to have. So we each have the responsibility to take a close look at the patterns from our families that have benefited us and hurt us. We then choose what we want to let go of for the next generation, not only to free ourselves, but to free our children of the burden of unhealthy relationship patterns. So I hope this was helpful. It gives you a little something to think about, especially if you're someone that has recognized that you're in some kind of pattern with a friendship or romantic relationship that you're sick of and you don't really know why you keep being drawn to this type of person. It might be reflective of a relationship you had in your life at some point and that you're playing it out subconsciously, not intentionally. It's just a pattern that you've internalized and you need to tweak and unpack and correct. All right. Have a good day, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.